Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to some Bible study resources and all of our previous episodes. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the privilege of ministry. We invite your presence to be with us, to help us, to give us wisdom and understanding. And we pray that everything will be done to your name's honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, Missing the Whole Point. Missing the Whole Point. Our verse From the King James is Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Just so we're clear in the Bible, when you see wine, unless you also see warnings about it or description of intoxicating effects, you should assume that it is new wine, that is to say, unfermented. There's nothing in this passage that suggests fermentation, and in fact, The last part of the verse says, and eat ye that which is good. So we can rightly conclude that the wine being discussed here is unfermented. Now, mind you, that's not the purpose of this verse, of this passage, or of this study. But we take every opportunity to correct little things that people get wrong regularly so that they have an opportunity to be on the right track. And we'll, we will actually do a larger study on that later. So for now, you will have to, what we'd recommend, if you want to understand that better, is to search for the word wine all throughout the Bible and then look to see what the context around that usage is and determine whether it's fermented or not. Because you'll see that they even call um, wine in the cluster, <laughs> which is a very odd way to get wine. It tells you this straight from the fruit. But anyhow, missing the whole point. There are many times when we read a passage or verse and we lose a huge portion of what that verse intended to convey because we don't get enough of the context. When you're reading passages, when when someone quotes a verse, whether it's in a devotional or whether it's as part of some other reading. doesn't matter what the reason for it is. But you should make sure 
that you have enough of the verse to understand what's being said. Right? That this is emphasized in the key principles of Bible study context. I am not trying to suggest that it is never okay to pull out a small snippet of a passage to make a point or to use it. Because if you remember, the Bible was not written in chapter and verses anyway. It was written in letters and books. And so you would almost never be quoting a whole book every time you went to make a point from the scripture. That said, you want to make sure that when you do quote, you don't miss something that the context would have have shown or you don't come to a conclusion that is diametrically opposed to what the context shows. Don't pull out a verse and allow that verse by itself to be used in a way that contradicts the rest of the Bible, right? Be very careful about that. The Bible is holistically consistent. So if you think verse X or snippet from verse X says something that the rest of the Bible doesn't say, then there's something wrong with your understanding of the snippet or the verse. But a lot of times we get the the point wrong. And, and we're going to go to a story. We're going to go to a story to emphasize this. I'm going to come back and explain. I have not yet touched on what's, what point is missing, but I do want to, um, to bring out a story that is important for us, that helps us. If you go to Mark chapter five, there are several places in the gospels where the story of the woman with the issue of blood is told, but Mark has the most expansive version of that. We'll use that one. Um, Luke also does pretty good. Actually, Luke's, Luke's own is, is a little bit better. But nonetheless, we're going to go over to this story. So let's look at, yeah, let's look at, let's look at the Luke version. Go to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to do 40 through 48. It's also found in Mark chapter 5, 24 through 34. And it's in Matthew 9. So Luke. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Right? So Jesus is on the way and the people thronged him. Now notice the girl is about 12 years of age and this woman has had her problem for 12 years. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched. Okay. Now, we're going to pause here. If you look at Mark's, you'll see that there's some thought process that goes into this. In verse 27 of Mark 5, it says, When she heard of Jesus, she came into the press behind him and touched his garment, for, she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body, that she was healed of that plague. Okay, let's go back over to Luke. 
And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and thou sayest, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. Now, I'm going to emphasize something. This story is found in three of the Gospels. And I would encourage you, as you go studying it, that you, you read all three passages. Read all three passages because there's, there's certain things that folks add or point out in one of the passages that they don't point out in the other passages. And by looking at them all together, you will see a much more um, holistic perspective. You'll get a much more holistic perspective. Um, we did, we did not do this study in true wisdom, but we shall. We actually will do this in another, um, in a little bit, not too distant future. Missing the whole point. So notice here in this story, this is a well-known story, but we're going to emphasize something different than is often emphasized. Notice that there are lots and lots of people. There's a throng around him. There are many people pressing against Jesus. They're going in a small, they're going in this large group and they're moving slowly to this destination because they're going to heal. Christ is going to heal the daughter of this um, ruler of the synagogue. He's consented to go there. Um, and you notice how all the synagogue rulers know who to come to for healing, right? I'm not trying to suggest that Jarius was a bad guy, but I'm just saying everybody knows who to come to for healing. You don't hear them necessarily defending Christ or doing anything else, but they know where to show up for healing. So he's told, Christ is told that this situation exists, and on the way he's going, and you know that Christ never lost an opportunity, so he's talking to the people and thronging. He's not just walking in silence with a mob. He's he's talking, he's, he's instructing, he's doing what he's doing as he moves toward this destination. And all of a sudden he stops and he says, who touched me? And people are like, I didn't, right? Because that's the natural response to, oh, that question doesn't sound good. I, I'm not doing anything, Right. And you can imagine that even some of the people that were resting upon him or leaning upon him or in general proximity to him are thinking, uh, I, I don't, I didn't do it. And Peter, because Peter's always the spokesperson for something like this, Peter says, Master, I'm not sure what kind of question that is. Like these people, you're in a mob of people. Like there are 30 people touching you. There's a bunch of people touching you. What do you mean who touched me? And Jesus says, no, no, no. I didn't mean who bumped me. I didn't ask who's rubbing against me. Somebody touched me in a deliberate way because I feel that power has left. Okay. 
there were all of these people surrounding Christ. Many of them wanted their prayers answered. I'm sure some of them had some sickness or ailment or concern or something. But as many people as were casually, physically in contact with Christ, they all missed the the point of proximity with Christ. They didn't get anything from that proximity. I'm not saying they didn't learn anything spiritual. I'm not saying that his words fell on deaf ears. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and could not get this address met medically and made a determination with whatever little strength she had she was going to get in, she came up behind, wormed her way through this mass of people and managed to touch the hem, the border of his garment, and acquired a physical slash spiritual benefit that nobody else in that crowd received. No one else. All of the rest of the people, in one major sense of the issue, missed the point. They were in the proximity of Jesus and got nothing for it. I hope that they listened to his words and learned. I hope that they added spiritual instruction. But she understood that there was something she could receive. And she made her way there past all of these people that were surrounding him. And she received it. She did not miss the point of close proximity to Christ. She gained from it. So let's go back to our verse. We often quote Isaiah 55, verse 2. We say, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Right? In a physical sense, we'll use that phrase when we talk about people spending their money foolishly, or when we talk about um, in a church, in a business meeting se- uh, setting where we're trying to get people to, to put money in a direction that makes sense for the kingdom of God, that makes sense for the, the building that we're dealing with for the body of Christ. Why do we spend money for that which is not bread? Why are we buying things that are not really food? Why are we laboring for things that are unsatisfying? Right? And so we emphasize that. And the second part of that verse says, Hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. So even if you leave this as a a totally physical um, endeavor, even if you focus on the physical aspect on it, on health, for instance, and you say, hey, why are you buying junk food? Why are you buying things that that aren't satisfying or that aren't enriching and nourishing? Right? Those are all things that that can be derived from that verse in isolation. And those are things that can be derived that are not in opposition to the Bible. But look carefully, look carefully at the first verse. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, he's calling out, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine, that's doctrine from a spiritual sense, and milk, that's also doctrine, but at a baby level, without money and without price. That's important 
that verse says, come and receive spiritual benefit without money and without price. There's a physical side of this too, and I'll get to that in a second. There's a spiritual side to this. Come and buy without money, without price. Then it goes into the second verse. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, which is not food, which is not doctrine, which is not the word, and your labor for that which satisfieth not, especially spiritually, can also be physically, but especially spiritually. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness, in richness. The contrast being made between verses 1 and 2 is more significant than if you read 2 alone. Because 2 alone says, why are you spending money on that which isn't good? Go get something that's good. But in 1 it says, if you're hungering and thirsting, particularly after righteousness, but not only, if you're hungering and thirsting, come buy and eat come by without money and without price. So let's look at the spiritual side of it. Stop wasting your time and your money and your resources on things when the gospel is here for you and free. You're you're looking at all these other schemes, all these other methodologies, all these other things where you're throwing money, throwing resources, throwing time, but the gospel is here and it's free. You're spending money on that which won't satisfy, that which is not nourishing, that which is not healthy. And I'm offering you the best for free. If you take away verse 1, you're missing the whole point. Now let's extend it to a, a country living kind of a concept. Instead of buying everything that you need, we no matter where you are in the world, You're going to have to buy some things, almost certainly, at least at this time, while buying and selling is still viable for the true Christian. You're going to have to buy some things, but there are other things that you can stop buying, that you can start producing and making and growing. And the Lord is saying, I'm willing to provide things to you for free, but you're spending your money on that which is not healthful. You're spending your money on that which will not satisfy, that which will not nourish. Come do it my way and let your soul delight in fatness. Diligently hearken unto me. Eat that which is good and benefit. God is contrasting his path, his methodology, his approach which he is spending his resources upon to provide for us, with the path that we take, where we're spending our money on the wrong things. If you don't pay attention to Isaiah 55 verse 1, whether it is you're looking at the physical context or you're looking at the spiritual context, whether you're paying attention to it from a natural health perspective or you're looking at the spiritual doctrine, spiritual growth perspective, No matter which way you're looking at it, if you leave out verse 1 and you only focus on verse 2, you will miss the whole point. When we study the Word of God, please be sure that you look at the context of what is being said 
that you try to make sure that you're grabbing paragraphs and sentences so that you get the whole point of what God is trying to convey. Don't be like others who are standing in a crowd right around Jesus, touching him even, but not deriving the full benefit and thus miss the point of close proximity with Christ. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the privilege of prayer and Bible study. We thank you for your offer to come and receive of you that which is good for free and without price and without money. Please help us to be wise in all of our interactions. Please help us to pursue those things that are physically and spiritually healthy for us, particularly those things that you've provided for us that can be obtained without money and without price. Help us to be diligent in seeking to do your will. Please bless us, we pray, and help us as we continue with this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Pandora, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, whatever it is, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others and always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.